welcome back to the Hopeful Influence podcast. Uh, my name is Matt and I'm joined by Jude and Taria. Nice to see you both. Mm-hmm. Nice both, to see you, Matt. Both doing okay? Yeah, doing Pretty well. Good. Doing the well. coffee, the croissants. That's it. That's it. So good. I'm feeling fueled. That's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the pastries tasted particularly good today. Feeling, mm. feeling very good. So uh, there we go. That's that's what we're fueled by for this uh, podcast. <laughs> um, and this week we are talking about hopeful influence in business. Um, and I think it would be a good place to start uh, talking about our experiences. And right off the bat again, my experiences are limited. <laughs> limited. So I'm probably not going to share that much about my, my experience. Because <laughs> I, what I've told you already is pretty much... Uh, all of my experience um but t i wonder if you could start and then we'll move on to jude and we'll just find our way uh, through talking about our experiences yeah sure so um as i mentioned in some of the uh other podcast episodes i was working in a corporate environment in local government um and after moving away from that role i stepped into a role uh in a small local independent bookshop working with um some friends who own it and yeah, I absolutely love working there. It's so great meeting people every day and yeah, just having that community-esque nature to the to the business. It's great. Brilliant. And Jude for yourself. Mm, the cool stuff. The um <clears throat> well I, I sort of talk a bit about my my proper job before I was uh, ordained and did bigger yeah. thing and all that. So yes, yeah, so I've been ordained for ten years now, but before then I, I think it was about fifteen years I was in the essentially working in the commercial uh, environment and um, working predominantly in sort of um, IT and um, uh, data um, solutions, um, different um, different companies. But the, the company I worked for uh, longest was a company called Experian. And mm-hmm. so we were, um, I was part of their sort of fraud prevention uh, team. And um, and so, yeah, I spent yeah, about 15 years working in, in a commercial environment and uh, based in different places. But yeah, mm, lots brilliant. of fun. And we're going to, as we go through, that's like a, br- a brief bit about uh, both of your experiences, but we're going to talk about uh, some of the, the ways we've see, seen it play out well, seen it play out badly and not so well. Uh, and we're going to hear from Eve Paul, which is amazing, and uh, some of the stuff that she has. Uh, she's a fantastic writer, has worked um, as a senior layperson for the Church of England uh, in some working with cathedrals and around businesses and how that works and the influence around there and so I think we've got a really <laughs> it's going to be a great podcast isn't it but I wonder if we we start with that how uh, have we seen inf- hopeful influence play out well in the business sector mm. yeah that sounds good and, and maybe a sort of a little intro to kind of just the, this this sense in which how, how hopeful influence works or how we think it might work within the the commercial sector. So I think it is. We've talked a lot, haven't we, in the in the, in the pod about uh, you know movement into a God shaped future. You know that, that somehow you know uh, there's this the kingdom of God uh, is advancing amongst us. Uh, that there's an invitation kingdom of God which starts in our hearts, which moves out into the world um, as we sort of uh, bow uh, and acknowledge Jesus as our true Lord and Savior and King. Um, and it's an invitation as Christian people to to imagine life as it should be. Uh, rather than life as it is and 
of the, the resources of the Bible and Christian thinkers down through history and with one another we travel together um, but uh, you know the Holy Spirit is sort of inviting us is stirring our imagination for a better kind of world and uh, and I think we want to say that that's an activity that's happening in every sphere of life and and, and not least in in business and commerce um, and so um, I think it's interesting. It's something Eve, Eve picks up later in, in the chat is that you know actually you know in the commercial sector there's there's a lot of hope. You know there's there's a lot of there's a, a, a real sense of well what could life look like next year you know rather than this year and what opportunities are there to grow and to develop to do more to be more to what shape does that take and um, as we'll touch on I think some of the best businesses you know are, are the businesses that are are thinking about you know, uh, the well-being of their employees. They're thinking about the the actual value of the products and services that they're delivering, how they play into, you know, a, a vision of a, of a better world, answering the kind of questions um, uh, that, that people are, are asking about, well, what is good, what does good human life look like? How do we harness technology to make life better? How do we, you know, whether it's our you know our clothing our attire our, you know the, the things we spend our money on you know our stuff our gadgets but you know there's some sense in which life can be better you know and and and, and obviously what we what we've heard a lot of and what we're becoming more savvy about i think is is how we, you know the environmental impact of that and how you know this is much bigger creation picture that as, we, as businesses move forwards we want to steward the environment well we want to look after our employees we want su- supply chains that are ethical and, and sustainable and so it's a big picture uh, that we're looking at and um and i think the best businesses are, 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 are tapping into this and quite how biblically and spirit-led biblically informed and spirit-led they are that open to uh, debate and thought but but i think we see goodness there and, and and i think sometimes within the church we can kind of think that the business sector is oh gosh it's all about power and profit and we can kind of disregard it but actually you know so many christian people are located in that sphere and 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 we almost need to redeem a vision for for godly business and and, and the shapes that, that can take so i think so we just touching and skimming over some of those thoughts really today but but for me personally i mean i i um yeah so i i the longest stint in my career was uh, working for this data services company and we were sort of um uh, trying to harness data and um uh, to prevent fraud within uh, banking sector and government and other industries and um yeah i think i think i again the best of that i think was when you know i i was involved with 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 others with teams where we were thinking about that that sense of a better uh, of a better future where we were sort of seeing the way in which um fraudsters or you know um people sort of milking the system were you know the things that they were doing and the ways in which we could close doors and make the system more um more just i suppose you know less um um, uh, you know, making our financial systems less easy to exploit and and sort of undermine and and for fraud, fraud to happen. And so that was a, that was a, at its best. That was a creative process. That was about reimagining you know a better future and travelling into that. And and probably some of my my sort of, I mean, I really enjoyed my you know my working life in 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 that period of of time. And I think probably the main reason I enjoyed it uh, so much is because we we delivered new systems. We 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 we. We we were we helped um, other organisations move into better futures where fraud was happening less, uh, and that just felt like a you know felt like a good thing you know, mm. in the kingdom as well. Yeah, um, yeah, that's brilliant. And what about you? Too? Some good experiences and how you've seen it play out 
Wow. Yeah, so um, the owners of the bookshop that I work in, they're Christians, and what I love seeing is how they have used biblical principles of, um, yeah, of, of things that they see in Jesus' life to inform that the way that they make choices, the way that they engage with customers, the way that they price books. Um, it is just fascinating to watch, and it's amazing because they have so many regulars, and these regulars are people who might be lonely. Maybe they are um, like of the elder, elderly generation, and so they come into the bookshop and they know that they're going to get really good treatment from Brian and Owen. They know that they're going to get that love conversation. Um, and yeah, they always make sure that the people who come in, it's not just about selling the books. It's not just about making a profit, but it's about building relationships. It's about the exchange of information. Um, and so, yeah, you can just really, really see that that difference between them not just wanting to like get the stock away, but actually wanting to invest in people um, and create spaces that are, yeah, just just about relationship and about about love, and it's amazing as well because they've been going for thirty eight years now, I think, their bookshop, um, and they've just become known in in the network, um, in the book selling network, as a really reliable company, a really reliable business, um, people who price fairly, um, and so I think their priorities of trying to make sure that they are, yeah, living out those biblical principles have given them a really good reputation over time. So it's been amazing to see to see that. Mm. Just picking up on that, um, see, I, I wonder whether, you know, the fact that they, they're not chasing sort of short-termism and, you know, getting as much footfall into the bookshop as possible and churning the customers through to sell as many. But, you know, on one level, that might look like, like a good business practice or, gosh, mm. let's make as much money as we can over the next 12 months. But it seems like what you're saying is that they've created something that's, you know, because it's because they've pulled in some of their, you know, they've let their faith shape their business practice. They're actually building something that's more sustainable, that's got more, um, a, a broader value um, that, that's holding customers for longer. It feels like it's also, that's also playing into the whole business model, if you like, is that? Yeah, absolutely. Just longer term, I think it's, it's helped them so much because it could even come down to maybe they get a new collection of books that come in and they know their customers so well that they can just call a certain person and say, oh yeah, we know that you love these types of books. Do you want to come and have a look? And if you're just having a business model that's just quickly churning people through your, your uh, business, then actually you're not going to get to know what people love and what drives them and what interests them. So longer term, it is a way better way of, of doing things. Hmm. Mm. And I wonder if that's something that from as someone from the outside, I don't really associate uh, some of business practice um, when just looking at some of the big examples as like trustworthiness or mm. good relationship or fairness. They're not things that I associate with say like a McDonald's or uh, somewhere, but I I do see like just trying to make uh, a profit or trying to do as cheap as possible to get um to get what they want rather than what I want and things like that. Um, and I I wonder if long term over the next twenty five fifty years, and we talked about this um a little bit um off uh, mic whether whether those things will come through and show themselves for what they really are and whether we will regret long-term having let some of those other things um, 
stand and take a place and have as much power and authority in our lives and in our covenants. And um, I don't know what if anyone has anything to say mm. about that. Or... Yeah, for sure. I think the um, <clears throat> we've talked. In fact, the last um, <clears throat> couple of pods we were talking about um, the, the sphere of politics, and, and I think the kind of way in which the political sphere and the commercial sphere interrelate. Um, and, and <clears throat> you know, you hear, hear a lot of things like, you know, get rid of red tape and make it as easy as possible for, for businesses to do their thing and crack on. And, and clearly there's some there's some mileage to that, that you, you don't want to sort of hamper, you know, new startups and stuff from getting going and the rest of it. But I think the question is, the, the sharper, smarter question is, is what sort of constraints and boundaries um, should the political sphere be placing on on the uh, commercial sphere and you talk about mcdonald's there and you know historically you know so much has gone wrong with you know the acceleration and the proliferation of, of fast food and you know in terms of the you know the farming methods to drive it all and the, the supply chains and the environmental impact of that and the employees and the employment rights and the, the quality of working conditions and then the, the product and the outcome and the, the sugar and salt that's pumped into this stuff and the lack of health and, and well-being that is actually that's actually there in the in the end product and um you know i feel like there's been a <clears throat> you know a bit of a failure you know, i think the, the, politically you know you're always sort of playing catch up and where we've set it up because we've given the market such free reign that politically you're often always playing catch up in terms of what actually is that right and what sort of good boundaries could we put around that to ensure that you know we are moving into a better future that actually the experience of our employees is a better thing that the way we steward the environment is sustainable and better for the long term that you know our kids are buying this stuff and it's made so so accessible that it's actually physically going to be good for them and nutritious and you know obviously there's tensions in there but it feels like we just we just kick the doors open and just let the market dominate and we can end up with some really twisted outputs and um and i agree with you i think you know the futurist sort of debate thing you know you wonder whether as we become more savvy about these things where you had the extremes of that, the McDonald's, Coca-Cola, you know, stuff where, where, where it's been quite broken, actually, um, whether those things will last and, um, you know, hopefully not in their current forms. Yeah. yeah. I think you, you shared earlier with us about um, this canal analogy of the red tape um, and a canal gets, the walls of a canal help the water get from one place to another. And hopefully that's a a better future a good shape a quality future but if you don't have those walls the water can literally just go in any direction and so the red tape is helpful and good but it needs to be in balance and it needs to be the right kind of walls is that right so it's not just about having more or having less but it's just the right structures yeah in place yeah. get in that direction of travel right and and and, and running the you know, having proper debates about you know, working conditions and, and environmental impact and, and, and outcomes and, and product um, that I think is, you know, I think we've got the technology now to have those those broader mm. debates and conversations within society. I just We're just almost waiting to step into a, a more informed conversation, I think, about how to, how to live well. Mm, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think it, it kind of taps into where we find ourselves in this consumer culture where we want everything so instantly um 
yeah, social media is so instantaneous, the gratification is so instantaneous. And I think people are wanting to take a step back from that and think about quality over over quantity. Um, so even with the bookshop, I mean, it's just interesting seeing them place more of a priority over like quality books that are going to sell well rather than just like getting loads of things through, just churning through it. Um, and I always think as well with with business, it's it's way more about like honouring your honouring your people, honouring the planet. And if anything comes to the detriment of that, then it's not worth it for the profit that you're trying to you're trying to get. It's a different mindset, isn't it? It's a different thing way of thinking about it. I think it's really helpful. Um, yeah, uh, should we hear from Eve? It'd, it'd be really good to hear mm. from Eve. And we're gonna. Um, there's just under 10 minutes uh, we're going to listen to her and then we're going to come back and and just reflect on that a little bit and talk a little bit more about this but uh, just a fascinating chat that you had Jude with Eve and um yeah let's listen to that now and we'll we'll come back and chat So we're looking today, talking today about uh, hopeful influence uh, in business, in commerce, in that sphere of uh, influence. We've got uh, Eve Poole with us. Hi there, Eve. Hello. Great to see you. Um, Eve, you uh, you work for the Church Commissioners. I've uh, got a whole background in working in, in business. Uh, Eve, tell us a little bit about your um, your role at the moment and, and maybe something about you know where you've seen sort of... Um, godly leadership uh, at work and, and something that resonates with hopeful influence and, and your comment in the book. Well, thank you very much for this conversation and for your book, which is an act of hopeful leadership. And I really appreciate that. So I'm currently the third Church of States Commissioner, and that gives me the brief for bishops and cathedrals, um, as well as for parish churches and pastoral reorganisation. And uh, I've been particularly responsible for looking at how we can improve cathedrals governance through the new cathedrals measure. And I think that has exposed me to a huge amount of hopeful leadership because the deans in the cathedrals, as well as their administrators, are extraordinary examples of that kind of hopeful leadership. There are cathedrals up and down the country that have had to really step into a space, whether it's Manchester or Salisbury, when there have been terrorist attacks and poisonings, where the whole city has looked to those cathedrals to lead them through and to offer them hope and just meeting individual deans and individual bishops who've really helped do that so well has been a really beautiful example of how the church does hopeful leadership that's amazing Eve. thank you the um now eve you've you've sort of had a journey through through the business world and you've sort of got lots of experience uh, about that sort of sphere of life the I, I don't think we always make the connection between you know God's sort of renewal and sort of sustaining power in the world and, and our work in the workplace you know in business in commerce how have you sort of made those connections in, in your journey as, as a leader uh, in business well, I think in some ways my career is a metaphor for this because I started working for the church and then did an MBA and worked for Deloitte in the city. Um, and after spending some time there, particularly working with the banks and in capital markets, I moved into teaching at Ashridge Business School, largely because I wanted some time to do my doctorate on theology and capitalism. And that was entirely because I had been so puzzled having worked for such a beleaguered church where there didn't seem to be any hope at all to have gone into you know, the sinful depths of mammon in the city to find hope springing eternally there and finding it really puzzling and, and frankly gutting that there was no, no interplay between these two spheres. So 
an awful lot of my professional life has been trying to knit together those experiences and help each to articulate to the other, um, whether it's about workplace spirituality, whether it's about theology and capitalism, looking at lots of different levels to try and say, well, you know, God made all of us um, and there is a hope in all of us and what are we doing about it Aaron, in our own spheres? It's great, it's great. So, so there's that sort of spark of optimism in the city, this sense of uh, being able to bring change and growth and development. Um, where does that, how does that resonate you know with with christian hope because presumably you know some of that sort of spark of, of of growth and expansion isn't necessarily aligned with sort of god's plans and purposes for the world so how do you how do you sort of how do you line those things up and where do you um what are you sort of using as your filter for like you know where, what's god's hope in and through all this well, I think if I'm going to draw contrasts, um, the, there's a sort of cynical overlay here, which is that one of the reasons that businesses feel hopeful is because of the overweening narrative around capitalism and around money and power. And so it doesn't feel as fettered in that environment. It feels like everything is possible. Um, you know, entrepreneurship is a is a recognised and, and blessed activity in that context. And taking risks is not seen as something that is particularly dangerous. It's very brave and courageous. And if you take enough of them, things will, will out. Um, within the church, I think because of the life cycle of the established church in this country and the financial revolution there's been in the last 20 years where there's been less national subsidy and much more need for parishes to pay their own way and so much confusion about societal positioning there's been a massive wane in feelings about power and powerlessness and the availability of money and the, the feeling of choice. Um, so I think I think there is a sort of overlay behind this, which is trammeling our ability to to allow that hope to bubble out um, in, in a sort of churchy context. Um, I think that's just a bit wrong, though, because um, and I think it is because of this kind of dichotomous thinking about God and mammon and, you know, vocational, non-vocational jobs and, and those kinds of slightly binary ways of looking at the world that I just don't really subscribe to because I don't recognize them um, because I think God made us all and and God gave us all talents and I think it is bonkers to think that if you are excellent at finance then you ought never to come anywhere near a church you ought to stay in the city and you know go to hell in a handcart and um, because that's God made as well um, and what I find is that um, where you do start looking at talent and resourcefulness and you see what money is for and where it go and goes and how it travels then you see just how powerful christians really could be if they just chose to be and if they were able to intersect with that hope and release it into the wild um, to yeah. grow the kingdom and so an awful lot of my later work has been about consumerism to try and show individuals just how much power we all have to yeah. tread hopefully in every transaction we make in the world in order to build the kind of economy we want around us yes i get you i get you and this this resonates i think with with your comment piece in the book where you, you talk about sort of dreaming big and and sort of inviting god into our dreams or perhaps maybe a better way of putting it is, is to sort of um, pay attention to where the Holy Spirit might be um, sparking our sort of our thoughts and imaginations for where we could go 
uh, as a church, as a, as a business run by Christian people. Um, what would you say about, you know, how, how do we, what does that look like in practice, just briefly? How do we, how do we dream big as Christians uh, in, 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 the, in the world of business and commerce? Well, I'm laughing because in the book I use an example that my colleague at Ashridge, John Neal, used to use, where he had us all do, on one of his leadership courses, we, we all had to do a visualisation. And um, he get us all to visualise that we're standing on a beautiful golf course and we have the most perfect driver in our hands. And, um, you know, we're looking down the green towards the flag and um, we, we have to hit the ball. And then he gets us all to... Um, open our eyes and talk to our neighbour about where the ball went and um, you know he, he used to exercise with hundreds of people every few weeks yeah. really and you'd only get about two or three that would ever imagine a hole in one yeah and that's a visualization for goodness sake you know why, why can't we even visualize a hole in one you know why do we have to assume when yeah. there, are, there are no barriers at all that we've got into the rough I mean <laughs> so, so it, it was such a good lesson to me which was crikey you know, when Machiavelli was writing The Prince, it was all about the arc. And if you've got a target, you've got to aim so much higher than it in order to go anywhere near the centre of it. Um, and it feels to me that, you know, what, what is the gospel if, if it isn't that cool to say, you know, how far can we go? Or how far can't we go? Who's stopping us? Yeah. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then, of course, you have to sort of figure out what the art of the possible is. But if you suboptimise right from the word go, you're certainly never going to get anywhere near it. Eve, that is so inspiring. I remember reading that section in, the, in, in your comment section in the book, and um, probably like most people, um, I didn't visualise a hole in one as I was as I was kind of going through the, the sections. But what a great what a great challenge for us to sort of dream big, to invite God into that, to not put a ceiling uh, where there doesn't need to be one. Um, Eve, thank you so much for your contribution today. You're very welcome. so great to hear from Eve uh, just so, such good content um, so much to richness in that something that stood out for me uh, was that line treading hopefully in every transaction we make uh, as a consumer as people who uh, well for my own life I think I don't hold any power or any influence really um, actually realizing oh no that I have a say which I think is something that we talk more about you know the consumer having a part to play and um, their journey in that I thought was really was a really great like treading hopefully in every transaction, just the the imagery there and, and just the, the helpful reminder for every transaction was really, really great. I know that was something that stood out for you as well, too. Yeah, definitely, because it just made me think about um, every purchase that we make, and I, I almost see it as every transaction we have being a vote for either systems of, um, yeah, corrupt power for violence, you know, or, or voting for systems of peace, of love, of care for their workers. You know, even when it comes down to clothing, for example, with fast fashion, we voting for um, yeah, systems that are willingly going to harm the planet or actually are we going to, you know, use our money towards um, something that's more sustainable, something that respects the garment worker. Um, and I think that Eve touches on that really well. And it's just a reminder, isn't it, that we do have power. Mm. Every person has power, yeah. 
Although picking up on that, I also think that there's so much greyness in that, isn't there? As a consumer, you know, you're buying your next pair of jeans or trainers or whatever, or where we're going to the shops and what's on the on the table for food tonight. You know, um, there's so much sort of greyness and uncertainty, and 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 you know, does that that stamp on the I don't know packet of grapes? You know, does it does that mean what does it actually mean in terms of sustainability and Yes. you know um good value for their employees and and all the rest so it's, it's also a bit of you know, this grayness and it's a bit i feel like a bit of a minefield for the consumer so i think a yes amen you know let's hope for transactions you know what we buy is what we vote for you know i mean absolutely but a frustration i think for me as a consumer is that i i i, I don't feel as informed as i want to be and, yeah. and maybe, maybe selfishly as well i'm not do i spend enough time um educating myself yeah and also just quickly i think you're right in a sense jude that i think it's a sense of what we have that we can offer because if i was to say that to an impoverished family saying oh make sure that you buy ethically actually that's probably more expensive for them so i think yes it's it's voting um with your money as a consumer to the best of your ability but it's not necessarily like a hard and fast rule for every single person it depends on your situation probably yeah. yeah. I, I just to say as well, I love I love what she said about the sort of the optimism in the commercial sector and I, and, and this sort of strange disconnect between the natural optimism that we can sometimes feel in church circles. And I and I think there is some I think I mean that's one of the big things I think we're rubbing against through this conversation that, you know, I think written into the human uh, condition, you know, under God is is this desire for a better world and this desire to create and to uh, and to move forward into something better, and I think that's that's what the market, you know, the the market is the, is the outworkings of those desires within uh, within us, and, and you, know, you know, part of that yeah is about increased affluence and what we can do with more money and you know, um, uh, but 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 to you know to sort of put that all in the bin of sort of mammon and, 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 and broken and corrupt is, is, is a misunderstanding. You know, we, you know, throughout the story of scripture is this longing for a better world, you know, for wide open spaces to inhabit, for, um, for quality of life. Jesus says, come so you'd have life and life to the full. And, and, and that's got to touch on commerce. It's got to touch on products and services. It's got to touch on... You know, and, and that's why I think there's so much energy in that space because because people it's resonating with people. And obviously, the vast majority of them aren't connecting it with a broader Christian story. But but un, under the surface, you know, it's that same yeah. longing, that hope for right. something better. Mm. That's really good. Really good. I, I wonder if um, if we could carry on that track a little bit, but talking about sometimes from our experience again when we've talked about when things have gone well but what about when things aren't going well what what about the challenges that we face and that we see and we find ourselves in how do we navigate those things how does it work um i wonder if we could just share some of those things yeah sure um (laughs) i guess i can speak about my time um, again, just in local government, in a corporate setting. And for me, as like a young, passionate person going into that context, you have maybe a, a bit of naivety going in, but thinking that you're going to make changes instantly. You don't necessarily need to build relationships to make those changes happen. Um, 
And I was definitely like, yep, cool. I know exactly what I want to do. These ideas I don't agree with, so I'm just going to try and do things my own way. And I think I realized pretty early on that you need to um, almost earn the right to challenge. Um, and that's something that I'd wish, wish that I'd done more being in that context, just like, yeah, maybe some of the cultural stuff wasn't healthy, but actually to some degree, just going along with it for a bit in order to earn my place to, to make changes could have been more successful than me just going in and wanting to just strip everything apart. Um, yeah, and I wonder if that's quite similar in, in other businesses as well, like if you have a similar thing, Jude, but actually building those relationships and taking your time early on can then actually help you to make those those better changes, more kingdom changes in a, in a business setting. Yeah, def definitely. And I think we um, we talked, haven't we, in other sessions about this sort of over-realised and under-realised eschatology. And you kind of, you, you know, you find yourself working in a commercial environment. Um, uh, you know, for you, think about UT, sort of fairly, you know, early in your career and you've, you know, you landed in, in, in that environment. And you've got these sort of, you know, really quite optimistic, almost idealistic sort mm. of views of, well, how can I inhabit this space? Mm. Uh, and, and I think that there's, there's a pragmatism, you know, for us as Christians, and I, people don't, wouldn't misunderstand this as a sort of, you know, uh, an opting out or settling for second best, but I think there is a, there is a, a practical pragmatism which sort of says, well, actually, I need to, I need to work out what the status quo is here, yeah. uh, and I need to work out what you know, the next degree of change or, or, or the positive step forward could look like in this environment and in this context. Um, and I think, you know, I've certainly seen, you know, young Christian folks um, uh, stepping into commercial environments and have been so sort of shaken and, and so wanted to sort of impose their own, their own sort of ideas or, or their own idealistic notion of how they could be behaving. But there's a lot of greenness there and there's a lot of sort of you know actually it's you know if you take a bit of time just to read the culture to work out what the next step is the next degree of change and and as you say to do that relationally and to invest and to, to take time to invest it's a, it's often more of a long haul thing yeah. and, and I think we were talking before the uh, you know of Mike around the kind of the longevity piece and you know I, I you know I would hope for myself but you know if I think about Christians in business, you know, at the very end of their careers, they've still got that spark of optimism. They've still got that spark of, well, how can I do this better in this place? What's the next step? And I think that could, that can get burnt out a bit, mm -hmm. you know, if we, if we just, if we, we hold on to the idealistic notion, we're just constantly banging our head against the wall and there's no movement. Mm -hmm. That can be, you know, that's when hope can begin to die because yeah. we're not seeing any movement forward. Well, mm -hmm. well, you know, let's, you know, take the time with others and imagine that next step. Um, yeah, I, th I think in my life as well, when I was a lot younger and I had that fire and passion, I used to look at people older than me and go like, what? Like, what happened to them? Because because there's a jadedness that's come across and a hope that's been lost. And as I have um, grown and aged, I find myself thinking, oh, I, I see where it's gone. I see how life, because it, it's a longevity piece. And you can't just go straight in and you can see how you have to steward this hope and how it's actually a bit harder than maybe I thought it was when I was a bit younger and full of that fire and optimism. But but that um that that belief or that optimism and keeping that fire burning is something that we really need to 
steward isn't mm. it and look mm. after and care for and realizing our eschatology and where we're at and where what we want and being optimistic but realistic and all those things does take a bit of effort and a, a guarding of our heart i've been thinking a little bit about where it says in psalms about you know guarding the heart and i think it's really important for us to do that when we think about hope yeah yeah and these things. yeah for, for sure. sure yeah the, the, the practice of hope again we talked a bit about practice of hope i think that's exactly what you're talking about isn't it and i mean i uh, we've said other things already and i'm sure there's lots more we can say but i think one of it is about you know just that constant reminder as christian people that the world that god has promised that, the, that this world this world that we're mm. inhabiting will be renewed god has promised that there will come a day when every tear will be wiped away when um you know it's not a return to the garden of eden but it's a moving out and, and an inhabiting of, of the whole universe who maybe we think something um but life as it should be you know where there's no pain and suffering and brokenness and, and presumably will be working work was given you know before the fall and um uh you know th- there can be a goodness to that a creative expressive goodness to that and so so by by reminding it by by living in community and reminding ourselves of that truth that we're traveling into i think is part of the resilience you know this resilience building and this sort of maintaining of the hopeful thing well of course i'm going to keep going of course i'm going to keep trying because that's the ultimate destination Mm. I might not see as much of it as I want, yeah. you know, in this particular life or in this particular season of life, but that's that's where we're headed. Mm. Yeah, so good. And I love what you're saying, Jude, about <laughs> in the new creation we will be working because I've been thinking about Genesis a bit recently and and thinking about the Garden of Eden, and I think often we imagine that um, when God creates the Garden of Eden, it's at its fullness. Everything's been created, all the plants are there, and then Adam and Eve kind of get plonked in and they're just looking at it, like just enjoying it for what it is. But actually, I think it's probably more barren than we think. And actually, Adam and Eve are there to to steward it, to make things grow, to create, to nurture. Um, and I think that that is, as humans, that's what we're designed for. We're meant to create, we're meant to be entrepreneurs, we're meant to set up businesses. And in the new creation, that's what we'll be doing. And if that's our foundation of, of where we come from and um, that's what we're moving towards, then I think that does give us that sustainability, that longevity, because ultimately that's what we'll be doing in when we're in fullness with, with God and, yeah, at the Brilliant. end of time. Mm. It's so good, isn't it? It's so good. Jude, what are some of your challenges? <laughs> Um, God, I mean, where'd you start? You know, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean you know, we, we're talking quite a good picture and a very positive mm. picture, I think, of how Christians can contribute to the advance of the kingdom in the commercial environment. But of course, we know there's there's so much exploitation and so much dominance of the bottom line and short termism. So, gosh, I mean, there, it is a broken picture that we're that we're describing too. Um, and I couldn't touch on all sorts there, but I think the, um, and you know, and you get sucked into that as well. And I might reflect a little bit later, but it's, you know, some of your own practices when you do compromise and when you do start to go with the status quo and then you look back and think, why did I do that? And what was going on there? Why wasn't I bolder and braver? Or So, I mean, so much. I mean, one thing, one particularly um, uh, sort of challenging um, experience that I had was where I was um, <clears throat> uh, once with a particular employee, um, uh, was asked to work on a project with um, a third-party consultancy uh, group to, um, I wasn't quite sure 
what the whole thing was about really when I sort of first got involved with it and then I realized partway through this project that we were essentially uh, employing a third party consultancy group to um, to go to one of our competitors uh, and and to pretend to be a prospective client so that they could hoover up sort of commercially sensitive information uh, to help um, you know enrich our own products and offerings um, and when I sort of first challenged this practice the, you know, the sort of line that, that was given back to me was you know well they did it to us so we're going to do it to them you know the morality of the playground and, you know so <laughs> uh, you think oh god is that what we've created have we allowed these structures to be created and 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 um i eventually managed to sort of get myself off that particular project but you know it took a bit of time and i probably wasn't quite as bold and direct from the off about just my um my complete unease and 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 uh you know not wanting to participate in in such a thing um and so um yeah you kind of um yeah so so you you can find yourself so i think compromise is a would be a particular word that i would draw attention to that as we are trying to travel forward and as we're trying to be uh you know christian as christian people trying to influence for this better world we can find ourselves in places where we we are pressured to compromise and some of those overarching sort of ideas uh in the commercial sector about financial growth and um uh, advancing in a competitive environment um you know how some of those things get played out you know it can take us to places of co- where we can compromise and or where where there's pressure to compromise and so um you know I, I certainly found um you know the christian community that was part of at the time a good dialogue you know and, and support and encouragement within the christian community gave me strength to then be able to say no actually i don't want to participate in this and so i think how we then bring these things back into conversation with other christians and, and help to discern what's right or isn't right or where those lines are <coughs> when 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 the, the pressure to compromise comes i think is just is just vital and again we're probably not very good at doing it because how often do you sit in home groups and you know actually have that live conversation about well i'm not sure about this or i'm i'm doing things in a certain way and i really want to do it differently and i don't know how to advance that and you know so so we can definitely you know there's a whole thing about uh, as church community how we resource this and work with yeah. it i think but yeah that's brilliant i, I think um, that brings us on to our next question really well uh, which is how how can we be a person of integrity in places of corporate culture and things that we talked about before about strong power and how in church settings maybe we use that lightly um, and we don't touch as much um, and other areas where there are just grey lines of morality and how we navigate around these things how how do we how do we do that mm. well good question I'm going to point this one to, to Jesus <laughs> straight up you, you pay, piped up just to throw it straight <laughs> over <laughs> that was well played thank you thank you um, I mean it's one of those where you know if there's a magic bullet you know um, I'm sure we would have found it uh, by now it's, 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 it's the working out of isn't it it's the working out of that we're called into um, and uh, yeah I think the role of, of Christian community is really vital 
you know, how we support and how we talk and discern together. I think ultimately it's the work of the Spirit within us, but we often hear the Spirit's voice, I think, more clearly when we are talking with others. And maybe we're opening the Bible together and someone says, well, have, what, what have you thought about that? Have you thought about what Jesus was saying in the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount at that point or whatever it is? Do you know what I mean? So it's, we're trying to discern God's will ultimately, aren't we? And, but it's contextualised. So it's not just God's will as in, this is the right answer in every situation. And quite, quite the contrary. It's like, you know, we're, we're, we're incarnational. We're, we're finding ourselves living life in a particular place at a particular time, doing things in a particular way and, and, and trying to discern the, that next step, that next better way of doing things. And again, we talked a bit about degrees of change and like, you know, what is a one degree of change? Maybe that's it. Maybe the next five years is about one degree of change. But gosh, you know, if you can do that and continue to do that, then, you know, in a generation's time, things could look an awful lot different. Um, I think the, um, I think if I was going to elaborate, and I don't want to kind of <laughs> go on too much, but I think the, I think the strong power question is, re- is really uh, significant for this because um, I think... You know, we've we've said already, you know, in, in our discussions, you know, on this pod, that, you know, that that strong power isn't necessarily. We don't think strong power is necessarily a, a bad thing. You know, um, it, it's it's um, you know, Jesus with the weapon you know, in the temple, clearing people out. Um, you know, I think he was responding to. Um, you know, he was protecting that sort of pathway into God's presence. He was um, calling out. Um, you know, structural injustice. He was calling out greed and exploitation, and he was taking a stand, you know, against those things for the betterment of others. So, you know, I think we can sometimes as Christians we can kind of get a bit of a tangle on this one, and like, but you know, Jesus picked up that whip. Um, so, you know, so, 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 you know, I think again, it come it comes to that place where we can sort of dismiss everything that goes on in the in the commercial sector as sort of somehow earthly or ungodly, but. Um, you know, there are, I certainly found there was quite a significant tension between how I held, you know, strong power and exercised strong power. And and I, I had a particular role for a number of years in this organisation, which was about trying to sort of imagine a better, a better future and to help teams, multiple teams within the business move towards and into that. Um, and, and ultimately, it's about trying to gain consensus, you know, through relationship about what that better future looks like. And this sort of enabling process of, well, how do we get there? And what are the next steps and mapping that out? And that, of course, that doesn't need to involve strong power. But there, there were occasions where, um, you know, I had to push. You know, I, I, could, I remember there was one particular project, and I guess I kind of feel really sort of slightly awkward kind of sharing it. But the, um, there was one particular project we were doing with a large company. Um, and I ended up, um, uh, you know, effectively, we had a really successful outcome. And we, we we built a series of solutions that were sort of like the next step in terms of the fraud prevention for this large um, uh, banking uh, customer. Um, and uh, a really successful outcome. And I, I, think I was offered salesperson of the year that year and in a large organization and forgive me for even mentioning it but the um i was actually turn it down because i was too busy doing churchy stuff um, <laughs> but the uh but it was really successful um outcome but i had to really push you know it was mm. like i said i had a vision of like how these systems and data and solutions and people could be brought together and i had to really run after it unless unless someone in the business did that it wasn't going to happen 
Um, and, and there were moments, and, and you, know, you know, when I eventually left that organisation, I've got lots of friends, you know, still there, and would hope be sort of, you know, uh, left as someone who's liked and trusted and all the rest of it. <laughs> uh, but there were moments where I had to sort of, you know, kick off a bit and like, you know, we're not moving well enough towards this future. Um, and, and I, you know, there was a bit of strong power thrown around. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't got the answers. But I, I know that that was that was also part of the culture within which I was operating, and hopefully I, I wasn't that unpleasant person who was always fighting. I wasn't. I'm sure I wasn't. <laughs> I think I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't that unpleasant person who was constantly firing off. Um, and you know, clearly we've always got to we've got to keep we've got to have self awareness. It's got to cause us into that, and we need to reflect well on our own behaviour, our language, our tone. Or, you know, that's a journey, massive. Um, but but there, but in that particular, you know, there was a bit of pushing and shoving to to for towards that better future, mm. um, and so and there's just these huge tensions, aren't there? You know, huge yeah. tensions about how we. And, yeah. But equally, you know, if if the organisation hadn't had been wired less around strong power and formalised positions, I probably would have responded differently. Mm. I wouldn't have been quite as pushy and, and certainly within you know you think about how leadership is exercised within a church culture and predominantly volunteer base and it looks and feels different and that's appropriate sure yeah um, and Jude would you say that in that time um, just just on reflecting on it were you praying to God do you feel like you were seeking his wisdom or on reflection do you feel like you were just driving just a load exercise of like <laughs> no i definitely pray yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, would, I would pray mm. i would be praying about my role in the organization and praying about the projects we were involved in and i mean i, I don't think i was like uh, i mean I, I wasn't sort of um um oh gosh if we get this i'll get this huge bonus and it's all about that you know i think my my the determination and, and the vision stuff we came from a place of this is a this is an exciting vision. This is worth doing. This is something better. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, at my best. At my, at my best, I think that's what was going on. That that's what I triggered within my spirit. That was the motivator. Um, and I think uh, I think that's there all the time. You know, if, if we're looking and if we're dreaming and if we're talking to others and your relationship stuff you know that if we're working with those around us towards a better goal yeah it's brown and i think it's important to just mention like those those good things like the prevention of fraud <laughs> that you know the breakthroughs in team and technology they're, they're so good and, and to mention alongside them the difficult conversations <laughs> and the pushing and shoving and, and how helpful that is in our grey areas. And I, I think I'm really glad you told that story, Jude. And I know you find it a bit uncomfortable to talk about. And, uh, but, but it's so helpful for us when we talk about business and for someone, it, for me, to understand, oh, this is how it works. As, as someone who doesn't use uh, strong power um hardly ever it's a it's a rarity in my work in my life um but actually to understand how it works and how you can align yourself with god and with the spirit and what he's doing and with um the practices and life of jesus within that it's just so helpful um, and so even though we might be in those gray areas of morality and those um trying to be a person of integrity i think we've talked a lot about how we can be those people of hope 
within those areas, haven't we? And within business and that there's a hopeful place for us to to step into and to step forward um, and that the future is a good future and a God-shaped future uh, within the business um, sector. Jude, I wonder if you could pray for us as we finish. Mm, thanks, Matt. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, shall we pray? Yeah, Father God, we do. Uh, we thank you again, Lord, that you've called us into this this movement of renewal, Lord. That, um, yeah, Jesus, that you've you've saved us, but you've saved us for something. Uh, and 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 in this moment, in this end times, as it were, uh, you've saved us to participate. Uh, in the advance of your kingdom in, in all spheres, including the sphere of business and the corporate world. And uh, Lord, I do pray that the conversation we shared today would be helpful uh, to folks. Lord, we want to be a people who are, who are wise, um, who are reading the context around us, who are uh, fruitful and effective. We want to be tuned in to how the different um, organisations we're working for might sort of chime and resonate uh, with your kingdom's advancement. We don't want to miss those things, Lord. We don't want to be, live in this strange dichotomy of kind of faith and work as if the two things were not uh, interconnected. Uh, so teach us a bit more about these things, uh, we pray. And I pray for, for anyone who's particularly feeling it at the moment, just the pressure to compromise or the, you know, just the, the wrung outness, maybe a bit exhausted in, in, a, in commercial culture that can often just take and not give. Um, but Lord, we just pray for, for folks... Um, yeah, everywhere, that they just hear something of your voice in this. They can realign with you, breathe deeply, receive again, and and perhaps most of all, be reminded that you know that you, we have a promise that the world will be made right, and that business, entrepreneurship, working is part of your ultimate future. And we ask it, Father, in. Uh, yeah, the name of Jesus. Mm. Amen. Amen. Amen.